from American Awakening, this is Signs of Life. Hello, 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 America. Welcome to the American Awakening Squad's Daily Signs of Life. It is Good Friday, and we're going to have a special show today talking about our personal reflections, what it means to us uh, to take that walk with Jesus, uh, that path of descent on Good Friday. Uh, But first, as always, we're going to kick it off with my good friend, Josh Jacob.
Amen. Amen. Thank you, Josh. Josh, Josh is just bringing those Let's classics. Go, Josh. Right. It's like if worship songs were comfort food, you you bring the comfort food songs. So good. <laughs> so today, Good Friday, depending on when you are, but no matter which day it's on, which day we're coming to you, uh, we're here for you. We installed this Signs of Life live stream and podcast for you out there in this time of need. Days are dark. Another 7 million people filed for unemployment today. The total number is 17 million unemployed. Of course, that number is going to get worse. It's not going to get better in the near future. 2,000 Americans died yesterday. More will die today. We know it's hard wherever you are. Even if you're not immediately exposed to that, all that difficulty right the second where you are, it's still hard. And so we want to be with you. We want to pray for you. We want to tell you that God's got you. You were made to triumph over this adversity. You're going to come through this. You are going to come through this. You're going to come through this. And we're going to be with you every step on the way until that happens. We're praying for you every single day, guys. We're praying for you every single day. So kicking it over to my friend, Pastor Joel Searby in Gainesville, Florida. Pastor Joel, what do you have for us today on The Daily Dose? Hey, everybody. Good to talk to you. You know, I believe that it's possible because I've lived it that there will be a day in our lives when we look back on the hard times with some fresh clarity. And I wanna take a slightly different look at the Good Friday story today. And specifically, I wanna think about crying out to God and finding Him in actually helping us, though it may not be how we expected. You know, in the raw moments of our hardship, which many of us are in right now, it's really hard to see it that way, to see that God will come through at some point. But on the other side of dark times, it is incredibly faith-building to remember and declare the grace of God in our lives. And here's the hopeful thing for right now, if you're feeling that. If you can just drag this truth that God will come through into your current moment, into your hardship right now, it is incredibly powerful to help us get through. It doesn't mean the hard times go away, but we can drag the truth of our previous experiences of seeing God come through. And tell, I'm telling you, I can look back, and I know you can too, on many times in my life when I thought, it's over, I'm stuck, I'll never get out of this. And then God came through in some unexpected way. And sometimes we don't see it for a long time. You know, throughout history, God seekers have taken the opportunity of reflecting on that to respond to him in what has become known as worship. You know, worship is not, as the modern church unfortunately may think, the idea of singing songs that make us feel close to God. Worship instead is a response to the love of the Father. You know, we've been talking this week about the spiritual disciplines. Worship is one of those. Richard Foster says it this way, worship is our response to the overtures of love from the heart of the Father. We respond either in voice, in song, in dance, in cooking, in service. There's all kinds of ways that we can worship outwardly saying, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming through for me. And when we're in this moment of Good Friday, of thinking about the death of our Savior, Jesus, it's tempting to, to just kind of fast forward to Easter but I think there's a really important message for us right now. We're going to talk more about Good Friday in just a little bit. That the disciples and Jesus even himself in a certain way, on Good Friday, as Jesus faced the cross, they were in the midst of that hardship, and they weren't really sure how it was all going to turn out. But 
in a way, they were able to actually look ahead as we can look ahead from Good Friday to Easter and say, there is victory coming. This is not the end of the story. God will come through. And so that's my encouragement today is that you got to not only think of the moment you're in, the Good Friday, if you will, the crucifixion and the death, but look ahead, get in the time machine and go ahead and say, there's a resurrection coming. God will come through. Pull that into your hardship now, and it will help you get through. That's your Daily Dose for today. Back to you, John. Thank you, Joe. We're going to get back to that theme in a little bit here. So I'm going to kick it over to Jeff in Maui. How are you today, Jeff? Good. You know, I had something I was going to share today, but I'm going to save it, I think, for next week. So, And I just want to give one quick thing to chew on. Might not take up even the whole time, but just staying with the theme. Good Friday coming up, um, and then the weekend of, of Easter And there's so many overtones and undertones in regards to this entire week, whether it's the Jewish traditions of Passover that we see Jesus kind of absorbs and infuses into what's going on versus just the beautiful nature of resurrection that no one was expecting and that that didn't really have any precedent before. Uh, But I think the one thought I just want people to chew on today is, is that in the scriptures, death and resurrection go together right? The reason that we call it Good Friday is because it's paired with the resurrection, and we look backwards now knowing that Good Friday is good because that was the moment that sin and brokenness and the fallenness was all kind of absorbed into Jesus out of an act of love. And I just think, just meditate this weekend on a couple things. One, how subversive the cross was. It's one of the most subversive acts of all of human history, that a capital punishment device, one of the most brutally um, torturous ones ever invented by the Roman Empire, was actually literally invented for that reason. How can we prolong this as long as possible to cause the most amount of pain? We now put on jewelry, put on gold, um, you know, put on signs, put on churches. Uh, Man, is there more of a subversive act that that's what this symbol meant then? But because the act was what it was, it now means this. I think meditating on that and chewing on that for a long period of time does something to us. Um, and that the cross itself is this portal, is this it, the, the cruciform life that Jesus showed us was this life that climaxed and ended um, with his arms out, you know, giving his life as a ransom for many. And then resurrection comes. And I think that pairing of death and resurrection is something that we really need to keep in mind if we want hope um, in this crisis, that resurrection's coming. But the only way to get resurrection is to go through death. You don't resurrect and you don't have new life and you don't have new creation unless you go through the door of the cross. And that's hard for a lot of us, right? Even Jesus uses that imagery of the, the grain, right? That has to fall into the ground, just like any, any seed. It has to go into the ground, it has to die, it has to go into darkness before it can give new life. I just know in the hardest seasons for me, that is the hope we have. That is the hope of glory. That is the hope of new creation. Um, and, and that's the thing you can hold on to right now in this crisis. If it's really, really tough, if you're struggling through something immensely with bills or paying some health crisis in your family, God will bring resurrection. God will bring new life. And he will allow new creation to sprout um, when we trust in him, lean on him in those moments. And so that's just something I wanted us to meditate on today, knowing that this is what we're centering on in the episode. And so I called an audible a couple minutes before, but I just thought just recentering on that, that you have to have death to have resurrection. And when you put those together, that is the hope we find in Jesus. And so that's my thought, my something to chew on for today. That is fantastic, Jeff. The whole arc of the entire biblical narrative The story of everything is not only centered on the story of our Lord, but not only is it that, that's the 
story of all of us, right? We're all supposed to do that, and none of us like it. I promise you there's not been one human being in the history of the planet that likes that death story. We just don't. Uh, and, and I could say this a million times and, and, and forget it the million first moment because that's just the way I'm wired, right? Because I, 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 I know it's true. I believe it with every ounce of my being, but then I forget over and over again. Said, no, no, no. I really, I really don't want that death thing. I really don't. Yeah. I think it was Walter Bergman who said something to the effect of, you know, death is in an instant, but dying you wrestle out of until the last breath. And mm. he just kind of says metaphorically, spiritually, that's a lot of us. That's what it takes, you know, metaphorically of us. Like we wrestle out of it until that last moment, but it's in that moment that resurrection usually comes. So before we came on air, Jeff and I were doing a little uh, appreciation chat about how much we both like uh, Hamilton. And there's that great line where I think it's Washington to Hamilton who says something to the effect of, uh, you know, dying is easy, living is harder. And and, and that's because it picks up that Brueggemann point, right? That instant death, all right, well, there you go. But dying to yourself day over day in a time of crisis or even a, even good times, it's not easy, right? It is just not easy. Uh, Joel, do you mind framing up the facts for us for those who are just need a little time to, to think about how that walk went from Gethsemane to the cross? Yeah, for sure. So I want to talk about uh, the story of Jesus' death, essentially. And maybe some of you that are listening are not really familiar with that story, and that's that's okay. I'm so honored that you are tuning in and listening to the idea of uh God going to die, and for that having something to do with us. So here's the facts of the story as we understand it from the biblical narrative and, you know, thousands of years of historical digging into this. The night before he was to be betrayed and and arrested, the, the hours before, he has this dinner with his disciples. We talked about that a little bit yesterday. And then he goes off to pray, and he goes off to this, this garden to pray, and he asks his friends to stay up and keep watch with him, to, to pray with him, and they fall asleep, as John recounted yesterday. So he's already like, feeling this frustration, this disappointment of his friends, uh, and then he's pleading with God. It's such an interesting story. He pleads with the Father, please don't make me go through with this. I know you can do all things, he says. And yet he says, not my will, but yours be done. It's that dying to self that we are talking about as an aspirational thing for us, but it's literally about to happen. And of course, Jesus becomes the ultimate sacrifice and example of dying to himself so that others can live. He has this prayer. He is betrayed by Judas, one of his closest friends, and Judas basically rats him out, tells the authorities where he's at. Not only does he tell him where he's at, when he leads them to them, the sign, I mean, this is like, this is so awful. The sign that they've got the right guy is that Judas is going to kiss him. And so it's like this last moment of intimate betrayal that Jesus experiences. They arrest him. There's a bit of a little riot. And as they arrest him and take him away, there's like a little fight. And I won't give you all those details, but it's kind of crazy. And Jesus is arrested. This is in late at night. Uh, if you ever watch The Passion of the Christ, they do a really good job, I think, with the, the trial portion. So maybe rewatch that over the next couple of days. But they pull Jesus in the dark of night into this kind of clandestine trial. And they basically are they're trying to find anything they can, these, these religious religious elite. They're kind of like quasi-governmental religious elite leaders, and they're looking for a way to put him to death. And the long story short, they send him over to the Roman authorities. The Roman guy, you know, Pilate, tries to basically get him off the hook, but the the Jewish people and the, the leaders of the religion will not have it any other way. Ultimately, he relents, uh, the Roman leader does, and Pilate says, okay, we're going to crucify him. 
because they've clamored for this. And he is brutally whipped and beaten and mocked. Uh, there's a, there's descriptions of how that looked and what actually happened and the excruciating pain. It was the kind of torture that was meant to bring you to the point of death, but not kill you, to keep you alive as long as possible. Even before they got to the crucifixion, they were they were absolutely brutal to him. The crown of thorns, again, meant to mock him and create additional pain. The robe, which would have gone onto his bloody back and then kind of dried in with the blood. And then when they ripped that off later, just additional excruciating pain, so much pain and suffering for Jesus. Then he's made to carry his own cross with a cross bar uh, more, more accurately all the way up to the place where he's going to die. They lay him on, on the cross beam and they drive spikes into most likely his wrists and between his feet. In order to hang him on this cross, they stand it up and there he's left to suffer and die until he breathes his last. And here we are on Good Friday remembering that. So team, uh, in that vein, John, lead us through some discussion. What I asked the crew to do today was, you know, we all sort of know the facts, or or now you know the facts if if it didn't know them before. What I want to ask them to do is their, their own personal reflections, how they feel, what 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 that brings them to. I'll lead with one, then I'm going to kick it over to Marissa. The one that I lead with is is kind of teased out earlier by Joel and Jeff's observations, is that they didn't really know how it turned out. I mean, the disciples definitely didn't know how it turned out. They, they weren't living in much hope of the future that moment, uh, maybe zero, maybe like dialed down to, you know, 1% on the 1 to 100 scale of, of, of hope, 100 being highest. They were like almost, the, the, the flame was flickering and out. But Jesus himself, I mean, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I mean, that's not the statement of a guy that's like, he gets how good this is going to be in like two days. He's like, you know, because in that moment, it is real as real can be. And and so that's that's the thing I, I try to remind myself of, of, of just how fully human and, and, and left alone he felt at that moment. It wasn't like he knew what the big story was so fully that he wasn't living entirely in that moment. Marissa, what do you got, my friend? Yeah, um, the thing that sort of, strikes me most about this section of scripture. But when you go back and you think about the rest of, uh, of the story of Jesus, this sort of bears true too. But I just always think about how when Jesus is around, sort of everybody else gets revealed. And we all sort of have to wrestle with the revelations of who we really are as set against and set uh, next to the backdrop of of the perfect one, you know, and I think about Peter, and uh, you know, being with Jesus. This is a guy that he loves. He's with this guy for for years, with this guy and the rest of his brothers, and he loves him. Um, but Jesus tells him, you know, you're you're gonna you're gonna betray me three times, uh, and he's like, no, I I would never do that. I, I love you. I'd never do that. And Jesus, he doesn't berate him. He doesn't. He knows what's going to come at the hands of Peter. Um, even though Peter, kind of, I don't know if he, I don't know if I wonder if he knew it in that moment. If something resonated and he kind of knew it, or if he just really thought, you know, heartfeltly that he would never betray. Uh, the person that he loved in Jesus. But that moment where Peter actually does, uh, he's, you know, three people ask him, you know, weren't, weren't you with that guy, Jesus? And each time he's like, no, nah, I don't, I, I don't know him, you know, get away from me. I, I don't know him. Um, and, and that after the third time, you know, the rooster crows and the scripture says, Peter, 
instantly remembers what Jesus said to him, how he predicted what he'd do, and he just weeps bitterly. Um, and there's something about just that very short verse, like Peter wept bitterly, that kind of gets me every time. And I think it's just because I think about, you know, this this notion of being so close to someone you know loves you so much, but that next to that uh, that unfailing love, there's just you know, your stuff, the stuff you carry. And the idea that Jesus, with Jesus' perfect love, knows all the stuff we carry, but loves us anyway and never turns away from us anyway. And even when he knows we don't measure up or or whatever, he's he's always there for us. There's just something, I don't know, that is, uh, this story just reminds me of, um, of how deep the love is of Jesus and how deeply we are who we are too. And that it's 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 all okay. We'll never have the perfection of Jesus. He knows what we're going to do before we do it. We can't measure up, but he still died for us all the same. Thank you, Marissa. Dan, do you do you want to hey, do you want to weigh in on this, Dan? Villian. Yeah, uh, I mean, Good Friday is a what a weighty thing, really uh, weighty topic to discuss, experience. But I'm I'm most struck. Around this time, I, I think back, I, I used to do a lot of travel around this idea of justice, and I spent some time in Rwanda, and we visited a church there and post-genocide, and we, we visited this church that was, you know, a long church building, um, but at one end, people had been corralled into this space and were brutally murdered they said it was somewhere around five or six hundred people were, were trapped in this church and their assailants just slowly, methodically just went in and killed everybody. And it wasn't a, a quick process. And it always made me think of like, what is the prayer that a person prays in that situation? Um, long after you've prayed that, you know, God would stay the hand of your assailant. Like the only prayer that's left is, is God, please be a God who raises people from the dead. Please be who you say you are. And I feel like when I think of Good Friday, I think that the disciples in the midst of that scenario, the people that were following Jesus, they didn't really have any other prayer to pray similarly than Jesus be just be who you say you are and be the person who raises people from the dead. And I'm, I'm always just very struck by that moment of faith. Like it really, there is nothing else that we, we can be free of other than that idea that we give ourselves over to not even care about our own survival, but simply that Jesus is who he says he is. I've never had to experience that. I've never had to give myself over that way. And yet Good Friday is is about that incredible example that we all have to look at and go, okay, how do we how do we live into that? How do we process what happened and and then find hope beyond it? You know, Dan, that really makes me think of um some of the people who are putting their lives on the line right now. And it's not, of course, it's the medical professionals. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. But it's also the people who are interacting with the public and putting their lives at risk. And if you're a person mm-hmm. who of, of faith who is banking on this, and of course, it's not the Rwandan genocide, but there's a certain degree in which a lot of these people are waking up every day knowing that 
the exposure and the things that they do that day could give them a virus that will kill them, and they're doing it anyways. Man, there's nothing else that will put you in a place of saying, do I really believe that Jesus raised from the dead, right? Joel, you know, there's something about that of, also, would you love, would you put your life on the line? What if the person you did never said thank you and never came back and never, never changed? You know, there, there was part of the story, the Jesus story that, uh, that we didn't really touch on, but it was, was Barabbas. There was this guy who was this leader of this insurrection and, and essentially Pontius Pilate, he gave, gave the people a choice. You know, do you want Barabbas, this guy who's a criminal? He deserved to die, right? Um, he deserved the chains or, or do you want Jesus? And, and the crowd called for Jesus in that moment. And I think there's something about that moment for me that's particularly powerful is just that there's something that it says about God of how much he loves you, how far he'll go for you, that even if a guy like Barabbas, who, who that moment he was set free when Jesus took the chains, when he took the cross at that moment, that he he probably knew, I mean, like you were saying with Marissa, you know, he, he probably knew that he would never come back. Like, I don't, I don't think Barabbas's life changed. I don't think he realized in that moment what happened in that, you know, that the, the price that Jesus paid, that it was supposed to be him. But the fact that he would love that he would die for each of us, even now, amidst um, everything that's going on, that he he loves you that that dearly, that you're that important to him, that even if you never turned around, even if you never said thank you, that he would still come for you, that he's still there, that you're still worth paying that price, the ultimate price. I think there's something powerful in that, and especially in this moment of Corona, you know, when that the Lord gave his son over to betrayal, isolation, death, and despair so that we could have life and we could have hope and to remember that you know that's that's the kind of god we have that's that's our heavenly father right there he would go that far and even if we never said thank you you're still that loved that he would still do that amen you know for today for tomorrow and through the end of holy week we wanted to just spend a little bit of time slowing it down and sitting with this because that's the way that we can encourage you that you're going to be okay too. It's it's bad now. It's been bad a lot of times in the past. That's just a little bit of how life rolls uh, from the Rwandan story to the cross and, and, and so many more and what you're maybe going through yourself right now. Uh, but we get through this. There is life on the other side. We're going to get back to that soon. We're going to kick it back to Dan in Nashville. Today's special musical guest is Dan himself. All right. Everybody's very excited. Yes. (laughs) Well, thank you. I don't really have a a really impressive intro for myself, but uh, I thought I'd just, uh, I'd play a couple songs and uh, I was really trying to think about what, what to do, what would be fitting for today. And this first song I think is, I think it's encouraging enough. The the next song that I'll play will be a little bit more contemplative, but we'll start with this one and uh, hope you enjoy it. So. Drifter 
Never felt the roots I bear here. So my side, oh brother, sister, for a mountain of fool's gold that's gone. Only God knows, God knows where. My soul was restless for redemption. Feet were looking for a place to stand. Well, you know I ain't got no life. You know I ain't got no money. Just the faith of an empty hand. An empty hand.
All right, Dan. Amen. That was good. <laughs> Thank the you. Great Dan Isletine. Thanks so much, man. So good. All right. Dan, well, do you have one um, more song for us? I'll do one more. <laughs> I was just like, Dan, Dan, do you have a second song I for do. us? You know what? I, I got one more. I've got one more song for you. So this uh, this is a song that that it was a bit of a rant uh, when I when I wrote it. Uh, I was driving to the recording studio, and that morning I'd just been sitting drinking my coffee and pulled out the newspaper, and I'd been reading about just whatever was going on. And there was this little sidebar in the uh, in the newspaper, and it was talking about this uh, hospital where uh, I, it was in India. And what they were doing was basically it was so full that they were putting children, these kids, three to a bed um, on top. And then underneath the bed on a slab of cardboard, they would put three other children. And the only way that a child could get up onto the bed was that if one of the children that was in the bed passed away. And it was just this little tiny sidebar in a uh, giant newspaper and and it made me so angry that our culture it was so upside down that that those kinds of reports uh, those stories that that talk about the struggle and the challenges we have with the human condition and um, they just they don't make the news like that they don't they're not that important and and it just got me thinking we went into the studio that day and we were working on this song and the song was really just about the various ways and reasons why people would use a certain phrase in our lexicon. And that phrase was, oh my God. And it was just people saying like, well, I, why would you use it? And and this part of the song had not been written yet, but we went in and I, we all started playing and we recorded it. And the version that the first time we played it is what ended up on on the record. And uh, I thought I'd play this song for you guys because I feel like it's it's a very fitting idea for the way we have to sit and contemplate today the uh good friday exists in our world all right Again. 
Sometimes I cannot forgive These days mercy cuts so deep If the world was how it should be Maybe I could get some sleep While I lay I dream we're better Skills were gone and faces lighter When we wake we hate our brother We still move to hurt each other Sometimes when close my eyes All the fear that keeps me silent Falls below my heavy breathing What makes me so badly bent We all have a chance to murder We all feel the need for wonder We still want to be reminded That the pain is worth the plunder Sometimes when I lose my grip times I thought to reach up, all the times I had to give up, babies underneath their beds, in hospitals that cannot treat, all the wounds that money causes, all the comforts of cathedrals, all the cries of thirsty children, this is our inheritance, all the Wow. wow, that was powerful. That is what the great artists amongst us do. Uh, thank you, Dan. They take us to these spaces of seeing things that are tough to look at and uh, help us lift our eyes skyward as well for a better day. Um, so thank you so much, Dan. Thank you all for being with us. It's been wonderful, wonderful, wonderful to have you with us today. Uh, normally, I close it out, uh, but on this special Easter week edition, I'm going to ask my sister Marissa, our daily inspiration, to wrap us in a benedictory prayer. Lord God, I thank you for all that you are. I thank you for this opportunity to be with my brothers and the rest of this team that you've called to come together to make this show, this moment that we share with all the beautiful people who are watching and tuning in and will be listening um, to the pod I just thank you for this season and this moment. There's a lot of darkness around us in the world, and it's vying for all of our attention and all of our heart and all of our minds. But I thank you, Lord God, that um, in this season, you remind us that even in the darkness, in the most extreme darkness, that there can be some light that comes out of this, that darkness doesn't have to be our end, that you've already been where we are that you see us from way beyond now, and that you have more in store. I pray for comfort and peace over the hearts and minds of all those who are with us. I pray, Lord God, for a word in our heart to spring up even now um, that says that we will not shrink back, we will not lie down, we will not cast over our hope or our joy, but we'll remember that we're children of the Most High God and that there's more for us even now. Have your way, Lord God. Bless and keep and protect all your people, this nation and those of us around the world. And I pray, Lord God, that uh, that the seeds of greatness that you planted on the inside of us, 
would continue, Lord God, to be uh, tilled and watered in this moment. And that as this time passes, Lord God, we're going to come out of this, Lord God, resurrecting way better than we ever were before. We'll see you clearer. We'll know more about ourselves and you. And I pray, Lord God, for, uh, for your vision, Lord God, to overtake us all. We love you. We thank you, Father. Have your way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And to all of you out there, thank you, thank you, thank you again. We look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Remember, we're praying for you. We're with you. There's purpose and there's destiny and there's more for all of us. And we're here to be with you and walk with you through it. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Signs of Life is produced by American Awakening, a campaign for the soul of America committed to slaying the giant of death and despair in this American moment. Signs of Life is made up of Jefferson Bethke, Dan Hazeltine, Josh Jacob, John Kingston, Joel Searby, Calvin Lee, Christian Palacios, Marina Pappas, Andy Peterson, and me, Marissa Prince. The show is produced from our headquarters in Lexington, Massachusetts, and you can learn a whole lot more about the movement by visiting our website, AmericanAwakening.us. Relevant Podcast Network.